We promised at the top of the show we'd be speaking in this segment with someone who's running against Doris Matsui, Sacramento's congressman. And uh, I think without much further ado, let's talk to Dave Lynch. Dave, welcome to the program. Gentlemen. Now, we should, uh, we should point out that, Dave, you're, you're a musician and you're a small business owner here in Sacramento. That's right. Actually, I've been here since uh, 1976 when I moved here. I was about 20 years old. And uh, 12 years ago, I opened up my, uh, my first business, uh, Guitar Workshop on J Street. I'm sure a lot of guitar people out there are going to be quite familiar with you. Uh, yeah, I've been working on people's gear here for uh, quite some time, just trying to make sure that their equipment's working and that they're still in business, too. Fair enough. Well, a lot of people in this election year are unhappy, and everyone's calling for change. The Republicans are calling for change, and, uh, and of course, we, we all want that. But um, the loyal opposition, you might say, the Democrats have sort of been falling down on the job in a lot of people's minds, and uh, that would include our congressperson, Doris Matsui. You've decided to challenge Doris uh, uh, next month in the November election, and what, what got you motivated to do that? Well, I think primarily it was uh, a couple of factors, actually. Uh, first was I thought it was unusual that she was elected into office without having produced a campaign or stated what her beliefs were. Uh, she ran on the coattails of her husband, Robert Matsui, which I thought was an all right congressman, uh, though I didn't agree with some of his policies. Um, he seemed to be pretty fair. Uh, he was involved in the public. Uh, he was accessible. Um, when she came into office and after uh, the Bush administration had come into power, the events of 9-11 took place, I started having questions about that event and the maneuverings of the administration. And as I investigated further, I uh, decided to ask my representative what she was doing uh, to investigate what was going on in Washington. And after making a, a number of visits, actually I've been to her office 13 times to try to get 10 minutes of her time and not getting any clear answers from her staff. It goes without saying, never saw her. I never saw her. Uh, then I decided that um, if she's not going to represent me um, or any of the individuals in sort of my little you know, world, small business owner, then that's not representative democracy. And so I've decided to run. All right, we should note for listeners that uh, you can go to Dave's website, davelynchforcongress.org. You've got a lot of your positions staked out here in some detail, but explain to me how, how they write in you on the ballot. Okay, essentially, um, I uh, started the campaign trying to get enough signatures to have my name on the ballot. And that required for District 5, 8,500 valid signatures. So essentially, I'd have to collect nine to 10,000 signatures to have them have it count. And we just didn't have the manpower to do that, or the time either, because you only have about a two-month window to do that. And, you know, I mean, I got a business to run, and I just didn't have the manpower to pull that off. However, um, I was able to secure enough signatures to be considered an official write-in candidate. So even though my name does not appear on the ballot, if you write in my name for United States Congress, it will count. And if we have the majority vote, I would actually be elected for your congressional representative. And we should know this is not an unprecedented thing in, in, uh, in American electoral politics. No, no. As I understand, uh, Joseph Lieberman was elected as an independent, uh, as a writing candidate. And I, I'm, I'm not positive on this, but I think he's the only one that's won as a writing candidate. But it, it is possible. We'll have to research that because I'm pretty sure there's been a number of victories by write-ins over, over the years. It can I'm, be done. I'm optimistic. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm very hopeful here. I th with, with what's at stake in this game, um, I think we really do need a representative. 
I think I'm pretty qualified with 12 years of being in business, um, with my interest in history and government. Uh, my father worked for Bureau of Land Management for 25 years about, and, and he's always been involved in government. His interest in history, too, is kind of leaked down to me. I think I've got the open-door policy of being a small business owner that would give the public the same access to the congressional office that they've had at Guitar Workshop with me. Well, Dave, let's, let's talk about a few issues. On your website, a lot of what you think is important, a lot of what we talk about in this program, there's quite a harmonic convergence going on here. Okay. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. that's what I want to be. I mean, unless we solve the problems uh, in, in a team-like fashion, they're not going to get solved. Well, let's talk about, you say your dad was in the Bureau of Land Management, the one big gigantic issue here in Sacramento that uh, both Matsui's have been hip deep in is this matter of uh, our levees. Uh, they did not develop the floodplain up in North Natomas for a long time because they didn't have adequate protection. They said at one point, oh, now it looks like we do, and so we can just build. So they've been, you know, building like a house of fire out there. Right. And this is, of course, a great concern. Sacramento is considered to be the second most at-risk area after probably New Orleans. Right. I'm not sure what the exact legislation is, but there are federal regula regulations that require the Corps of Engineers inspect and maintain any system, any levy system that has uh, a large community in, at risk. Uh, so the Corps is required to come in and make recommendations, and then it is the state is supposed to go in and make whatever adjustments are necessary. One of the jobs of the congressional representative is essentially is go for you. Go to Washington, you bring the funds back to the district to make sure that projects of that magnitude are well-funded. And um, I, th I think Doris Matsui has done a, probably a fairly adequate job. She really focuses on that issue. But what's being done specifically is still up in the air. There's still a lot of contention going on. So so I think what happens with the levy system and how it's corrected and the problems are solved is about coordination of talent and, and funds appropriately. There's a lot of people talking about a building moratorium. In fact, one is going to go in effect because the feds are making Sacramento do it. Um, do you think we should slow down development out there? Well, development out in that area, for example, the, what, the, what I consider the agricultural area, that is um, a place where we've got a lot of flooding, and flooding is going to continue to occur. I think what's happened with the residents out there is they were sold a bill of goods. They were told that because the levee systems were built up, that it was safe to build out there. And now they're going to be charged extra insurance because it's not flood protected. And I think that's kind of a bait and switch situation. So I think for the residents, they were treated unfairly and the builders kind of uh, uh, you know, gave them the short side there. I don't think that we should build residential areas in what is essentially floodplain and agricultural area. You know, California is one of the most valuable agricultural centers on the planet. And for us to not capitalize on that and sell our agriculture and the produce we create with it um, as a high value asset to the rest of the world, I think we're really missing an opportunity to generate a tremendous amount of cash flow for the state. Well, your website has a comment on something we need to, to also take up. I know that California has the world's most uh, busy air corridor, that between uh, the Bay Area and, the, and Southern California. And, of course, in an era of uh, global warming concerns, a lot of people are thinking that, you know, it'd be a lot easier and a lot less costly to the environment to move people on high-speed rail. Looks mm -hmm. like you addressed that on your website. Right, right, exactly. Um, there is a lot of debate on this. Uh, there are There is the side that feels that this is a financial boondoggle and that it's going to tie up all kinds of money and funds and uh, it's going to create its own uh, problems on the in, in land corridors and uh, 
um, acquisition of property. However, the upside of it is it does, it, it removes the burden of uh, 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 travel from airports and waiting in lines to a much more efficient system. And at the same time, it could produce a tremendous amount of jobs for uh, California. Uh, the thing that I would like to see happen if this is implemented um, is that the majority of the components of this system are fabricated in the United States and maintained by you know, American employees, as most infrastructure projects probably should be. Uh, that would keep Americans employed. In fact, we could even use defense contractors to build some of the hardware. Uh, so that way we could start moving some of our funds away from foreign manufacturers like Airbus that are doing uh, you know, uh, projects for the United States government um, or J uh, Japan or China uh, to American industries to help us maintain a, uh, a transportation corridor and also maintain uh, the infrastructure of, of defense contractors even in peacetime. David, it appears that uh, no matter what happens on Election Day, George W. Bush will no longer be president on January 21st, 2009. You mentioned on your website um, a book by attorney Vincent Bugliosi. Uh, we talked on this program with, uh, with Mr. Bugliosi about that book, The Prosecution of George W. Bush for Murder. Mm -hmm. uh, if you were in Congress, would you, would you encourage this? Um, actually, I would like the entire 9-11 uh, situation and the war in Iraq to be further investigated. Now, it's not that I would be I'm pursuing any kind of a vendetta. However, I do feel that crimes were committed. Um, the posture that we take with the international community in regards to uh, the war in Iraq, I think, is a critical one in that um, unless we hold individuals accountable for breaking the law and violating the UN Charter, um, if we just walked away from that, uh, that would show us to be uh, unable to recognize what the law is, and it would lower our standing in the international community. To bring these people to trial and to investigate and prosecute, I think, would show the world that we uphold the laws we create and we honor the uh, documents we sign. I guess I should clarify, uh, Congress undoubtedly would not be putting uh, the, the ex-president on trial for murder, but uh, they certainly could, you know, prosecute and look into some, some malfeasance of office. Right, malfeasance or misfeasance or whatever that would be. Yes, uh, dereliction of duty, uh, lying to the American people, you know, uh, uh, evidence that was presented that was not factual, those sorts of things. That, that needs to be looked into. One of the reasons that I decided to get into politics was uh, what happened on September 11th. I watched it happen on television. It was live. And when the two towers fell, I, I thought it was unusual because I remember being in New York when those were under construction passing through there. And I thought they were built incredibly tough. But when Building 7 fell, I had questions because steel structure buildings just don't fall that quickly from fire. There is no historic evidence to support that. Um, I have in front of me a copy of the 9-11 Commission. And I bought the book. I wanted to look inside of it to see what they said after this investigation about that specific event. And all there is on the entire Building 7 episode on page 302 is one sentence. Which is? Which is, an EMS paramedic approached the uh, Fire Department of New York Chief of Department and advised that an engineer in front of seven World Trade Center had just remarked that the Twin Towers, in fact, were in imminent danger of total collapse. Now, there is no mention that's of- That's it? That's it. That is the sum wow. total uh, outside of the footnote attached of what happened to Building 7. Now. I would like to know where that, uh, where that engineer got his information and where this call came from. Well, the call came from a computer-generated report. The, in this book, 
Trade Center 7 does not discuss any further why there's no investigation. Um, I think there's a guy named Professor Stephen Jones from uh, Brigham Young University, who's a physicist who's looked into it, that also has questions. There are questions that need to be answered. The, the fact that the forensic evidence was swept away so qu quickly from New York and put in boats and shipped to China, uh, to me, shows malfeasance. There is a crime that's been committed. Regardless of what you assume it is, it still is required to be investigated. So I think this needs to be looked into. Uh, there's a lot more to this. I just have questions. I think as an American citizen, I'm entitled to have my questions answered. Well, I, that's good because I think a lot of us have those questions. Right. So Dave, a final question. Why do you think you'd be a good uh, representative in Congress? Well, I think my experience in the community, uh, having been on the street for 32 years, working with uh, the musical uh, uh, industry here in town, uh, from the smallest bands, uh, teaching kids to play music, uh, to operating a small business, writing payroll, making insurance, paying the rent, uh, advertising, and uh, dealing with the issues that my uh, community members have as far as problems they have on their everyday business, um, I think that gives me a real street experience that our current representative doesn't have. Beyond that, I have a real curiosity and interest in history, in current events, in political issues, uh, in the affairs of the international community as a small business owner. I have to import uh, products from overseas. Uh, when we have difficulties doing that there uh, and in our trade relationships, that makes my business suffer. As a country, as an industry, one of the things that I don't see being addressed is how we would get ourselves out of debt. How would we produce income beyond just cutting our expenses? Um, if we can't reindustrialize the United States, if we don't begin to manufacture something and become profitable as a country, we will go out of business. And I think I have a lot of viable ideas that would help us down the path of becoming financially successful by becoming a producing nation as opposed to just a consuming nation. Well, we've been speaking with Dave Lynch. He's running for the California 5th Congressional District against Doris Matsui. Uh, you can, if you so choose, on Election Day, write his name in, and it will be counted. And, of course, Dave, we, we should note in closing here that uh, congressmen have to run every two years. That's right. That's <laughs> you, correct. You're so, looking ahead to 2010, just in case? Yeah, you know, I, yes, uh, I'm uh, 51 years old right now. I'll be 52 in December. And um, I'm, I'm giving it all I can uh, this the election period, and I'll give it a shot if I don't win next uh, beyond that. And then after that, I also have to look at my own financial future, too. It is very expensive to run. So if anyone has an interest in supporting my campaign and, and, and feel strongly about my positions, uh, please make a contribution because uh, November is very close, and then a little advertisement I can get out there. I really could use the help. Dave, thanks. Thanks for having me. And that website you should go to for more information is davelynchforcongress.org. And oddly enough, as we go out, we got a little special bumper music. Unbeknownst to me, uh, uh, Dave wrote a tune some years back, the title of which is Parallax. Who knows? Let's go out with that. And uh, before we leave the segment, let's do a couple of uh, election-related items. And I want for the third time to go to Parade Magazine on this because, again, Parade Magazine is pretty much the middle of the road. And when they have an article on, uh, on September 28th asking, will your vote be counted, 
You know the issue of uh, voter fraud, which we've talked about on this show many, many times, thankfully is getting into the mainstream. While the article notes that right now 36 states have paper records of vote casts, that means horrifyingly that 14 states do not. And since you can elect a president with the top 11 uh, states in the the country, that's, that's not good news. I'm sure these are probably the smaller states, however. But this article in Parade notes that uh, with a few weeks to go before the election, some voters' rights advocates are worried that reforms instituted after the Bush-Gore race in 2000 may actually make things worse. And then goes on to cite that election in Florida two years ago where 18,000 votes were lost and just simply not retrievable. They could not reverse the course of the election because there was no way to get the data out of the computers. As we reported last week with the recent surge toward Obama-Biden, it looks as though it's going to be very, very difficult for dishonest persons, shall we say, to swing this election. Obama now has leads in Ohio and Florida. And, you know, if somebody carries two out of the three, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Florida, they're going to win. The McCain campaign uh, pulled out of Michigan recently, which is, you know, a bad sign for them. But I also want to cite uh, the article by Stephen Spoonamore, which was repeated in the Humor Times, which said at the top, I'm a Republican. I worked on Giuliani's campaign. I worked on Bloomberg's campaign. I worked on John McCain's campaign. I've been a lifelong member of the party. This issue is not a Democrat-Republican issue. This is not a partisan issue. This is a democracy issue. If you actually care about a constitutional democracy in which each person votes, that vote is validated, and the people who end up in office are a reflection of the basis of the way people voted, then you care about this issue. If you don't want people to vote, if you don't want people's vote to count, if you want to rule without a mandate, then you're very supportive of Diebold. Said Mr. Spoonamore, I certainly know that in all the statistical information, it seems that in every single bizarre circumstance where exit data, polling data, or informational data swings, it's all been in favor of Republicans. But not the sort of Republicans who I want to see in office at all. These are the people who lie and the people who cheat. He went on to ask, you know what the real problem is? It's people do not want to believe that people want to steal elections in this country. He goes on to make the case for paper ballots. And sometime between now and the election, we're going to bring back uh, Brad Friedman to talk about how things are going in this area. But uh, let's take a break. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax. Radio Parallax. 